Welcome to the UX Podcast, where we learn how to turn a rockstar business into a UX machine. UX introduces a simple formula for personal and business growth based around one principle. We can't solve big, valuable problems alone. Starting with this principle, UX equips and empowers us to pour ourselves into people and systems, scale authentically, and create a life of exponential freedom and impact. And now, let's get started with the latest episode of the UX Podcast. What's up, rock stars? We are back with the UX podcast, and my guest today is Mike Koenigs, which many of you probably are already familiar. If you don't know him personally, you might know the name. He is a 13-time number one best-selling author. He's a trusted advisor to the likes of Tony Robbins, Brian Tracy, JJ Virgin, Dave Asprey. Uh, you might know him from being the CEO of You Everywhere Now or Traffic Geyser and, and Instant Customer, and he just he has an incredible uh, deep background and is extremely well connected. Uh, in, in, in the marketing space and, and he comes out of a technology background and now is the co-host of a podcast called Capability Amplifier with Dan Sullivan, which the podcast is incredible and we go into a little bit on the, what the point of view of the show is and some of the things that he is learning from just having consistent conversations with Dan Sullivan, which would be like a, a freaking dream come true. So in this particular conversation, uh, it doesn't matter if you're a coach, if you're a consultant, or if you're a creative type, maybe you're an agency owner. And the reason why I say that is that this conversation more than, than some of the others that we've had, Mike's been in all of those positions, uh, selling information to coaching, to running a digital agency, to selling to huge clients, to advising CEOs. I mean, he really has run the gamut and really filled all of those roles and and now is running a, a business where he gets paid to be who he is instead of for doing, right? How do you get paid for being and not for doing? In fact, that's what his podcast with Dan Sullivan is about because we talk a little bit about some of the massive kind of technological and economic changes that are going on right now. I call it kind of shifting into the exponential economy. He would probably have a different phrase for that. But regardless, the, the changes are happening. And they're having these massive effects on how we get rewarded and what we are rewarded for. So we go into that a little bit. We also talk about why he exited his agency. He's actually exited four times over the course of his career. And we talk about a few of the things that, we, that he learned and the journey and, and where that fits into what he's doing now and, and some of the reasons that he exited that, that agency to begin with. So if, you, if you're planning on building a large company and you're really obsessively focused on top line growth and you're, you're one of those people that uh, is not the greatest at running operations, this is going to be a very interesting conversation for you because that is very much the way Mike is. We talk about how that manifested in his agency and why that led to him eventually selling off. So this was an incredible conversation. We went into a lot of stuff. It was pretty wide ranging, um, but I encourage you to, to pay close, very, very close attention because there is a massive shift in the economy right now and only the people who can engage in a very select set of rare and valuable skills will really win. And I'm positioning myself to be in that group of people and, de and develop that skill set. Mike is way further ahead on that journey than I am because he's seen that same trend a lot, a lot longer before the rest of us did. And so he's on that same journey as well and, and is helping other people do the same. So with that being said, let's jump into the conversation. I'm really excited for you to hear it. This is Mike Kinnings. Mike, officially, welcome to the UX Podcast. It's my pleasure. It's good to be here, Matt. Super, super pumped. Um, so let's start with this because you're you just started a podcast with Dan Sullivan. Uh, I'm a big fan, as as I'm I know that you are too. There's a huge opportunity, 
And I'm curious because the, the podcast is Capability Amplifier and just the, the point of view of that show is so interesting because of how, how well it aligns with what we talk about on this podcast. And I want to go back a little bit in time to when you were like kind of starting and running your own agency. Uh, what did you feel like your capabilities were back then? That's, inter- that's actually a super good question because um, I always consider myself a creative guy who could see a vision. And um, what differentiated me from most people was I had a background in technology and programming. So, and at that point, um, anyone who knew how to uh, create something digital that had value and could tell a story and help market or make money had tremendous value. And this is pre-web days. So, um, what I uh, started looking through the lens of is figuring out how to entertain and educate an audience, so they wanted to buy something. So we called it uh, edutainment at the time, and we were, to the best of my knowledge, one of the first to use that term. It's it's used now today. Yeah. And um, one of our big things that uh, that got us a lot of attention is we produced a game called Chex Quest for General Mills that shipped in six million boxes of Chex cereal. And um, so at the time, it was the highest distributed product of any sort in, um, that I know of, I mean, and it, in a consumer packaged good and America online paid for everything, which is another thing. So it was like, there were a whole bunch of firsts there. Yeah. So what I, I, I think I was really good at was seeing a vision, knowing how to execute it and, um, and combine technology, creativity and marketing. But, um, I wasn't good at articulating and I didn't understand who I was always talking to. So I kind of had one mode of communication. I didn't know what mattered to the CEO of General Mills or uh, differentiating that conversation from, let's say, a creative director of an agency who, of course, wants to get awards and build their platform. So um, I think the distinction between then and now is knowing what to say and to whom. It comes down to message and market. And, and elevating value. So I was a one-trick pony, and that was a huge, huge lesson learned. Okay, so, so looking back, like you, you consider the kind of the key, it's not that your core capabilities have changed necessarily. Like the communication now has definitely turned from maybe a weakness into a strength, it sounds like. Um, but the core capability that you were maximizing then is the same thing you feel like you're maximizing now. It's, it's that inner, it's the combination of maybe strategy and creativity. I don't know if that's a good way to put it. Yeah, and vision. I, I think that's probably um, like what I consistently now get rewarded for when I, uh, as, as a professional, as an advisor, um, is I can walk into practically any circumstance or situation. You know, I'm, I'm talking right now, I've got a, uh, this isn't a done deal, but uh, an individual who's a business owner in a uh, Central American country who wants to run for president and is coming to me saying, build my platform and make me attractive to the, um, you know, a, my audience, okay, my Spanish-speaking audience, and to an American audience, because there's a huge reason for that, right? And the same will be true if I work with a startup guy who's like in artificial intelligence or space, for example. It's like, help me tell my story so my value and my brand is elevated. Um, and how am I going to get from here to there? So. I can figure out a vision and say, like, here's the best path. Here's the medium. Here's the message. Here's what you need to do. And here's, here's all the connections. So, it's a, you know, it's a combination of technology. It's marketing. It's media. It's personality. It's product all combined. 
And these days, in my opinion, what's changed from then to now is this notion of beingness, right? Uh, there's no distinction between a brand and an individual, in my opinion. They are the same. They merge. And um, Richard Branson is the most extreme example of this. He's a guy who's a brand upon himself and everything he touches is a brand also. And I think we have to think about that. We live in a gig economy, a multitasking economy where there's no one thing anymore. Yeah, yeah, it's 100% true. And, and you mentioned the beingness because that uh, I love that you mentioned that because I wanted to jump into that just a little bit if we could. The idea of getting paid for who you are and not what you do. So how does, how does one achieve, I know the part of what you do with clients is you help them get to that level. So it's not, it's not the tactics that I want to get into necessarily because that will change over time. What is, what is the core principle? What is the core thing that people need to understand is actually going on behind the scenes that allows them to get paid for being who they are and not what they do? Okay, so um, the way to frame this, first of all, is um, we enter into the world and we get rewarded for doing stuff. In other words, we get to be good doers. And, and unfortunately, most human beings never get past that phase, that evolutionary state in their lives. So um, we do a task and then we get rewarded for X number of dollars, whatever the market will bear. But you are a commodity, a doer commodity. And we've reached a point in, in history. I mean, the Industrial Revolution is an example. As soon as um, mechanization could replace doing, you know, cotton picking went, went away, for example, or whatever, field work or, 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 or. And now we're at the point where it's affecting dramatically one of uh, the biggest industries in the world, which is transportation. Okay. Transportation affects about 50% of every world, every economy in every country, okay, in some way, shape, or form. And that's going to just like poof, um, not ever go completely away, but automation and self-driving cars, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Okay, so let's put that in a box. Next, we've got um, the knowing economy, the white collar economy, which artificial intelligence, neural networks, et cetera, are rapidly replacing financial services, um, accounting, medicine, um, we are very, very close. I witnessed not long ago um, some technology using artificial um, intelligence-driven um, agents that are going to be doing most of your customer service, customer support, that will actually look at you through your webcam and determine a face type that you will immediately trust and feel rapport and connection with. So this thing will actually match. So, yes, I mean, that's, that's a we could go down a rabbit hole there. It right, is yeah freaking amazing. And, um, uh, and, and so artificial humans are very, very close, closer than we realize. And then if you combine our augmented reality, virtual reality, et cetera, et cetera, even closer yet. So um, we're going to have an entire class of knowledge-based or knowing workers are going to become obsolete. And it'll happen so quickly because artificial intelligence is a software as service. That's, you know, just like Amazon services are. Okay. So now, what does that lead us to? So if you think about what are the most valuable things that are difficult to replace, it is innovation, creativity, leadership, and true human experiences, one-on-one. -on -one. Yeah. And, and, and um, to some degree, for a while, you know, we went through the influencer economy, okay? Which was, you look at the Kardashians, you look at Trump, for example. I mean, you, you, in my opinion, um, they offer no value to the human race overall. However, <laughs> okay, I don't get it. Neither one of them. And I could, you know, we can go on down the influencer yeah. thing. You're like, what the hell value are they? But sensationalized 
hoo-ha and this illusion that we're actually connected. And what we know with certainty now about Facebook, Instagram, and all that, it is shallow, meaningless, time-wasting, doer crap, okay? It's, we know it actually negatively affects the human brain and an entire generation of children, yeah. for sure, okay? Um, and it's created massive addiction, which is going to permeate society for decades to come. But in the meantime, how can we evolve to the highest state of being, what I call a super being? And I believe our next phase in, in human evolution and economic revolution is the super being economy. And that is focused on developing your capabilities that revolve around creativity, leadership, innovation, experiences. And that is what we crave as souls. In other words, the unified version of what a true human being is. It's not a human doing. It's not a human knowing. It mm -hmm. is a human being. Mm -hmm. But we are going to be augmented with technology. We are going to have um, capabilities to extend our lives, extend our IQs, extend our beingness. And that is what my definition of super beingness is, being a super being. So hmm. um, that's really where, um, you know, if we move forward into what Dan Sullivan and I talk about yeah. on the podcast is, is what capabilities do you need to evolve? So we spend our time uh, having conversations about modeling that, you know, like what are the filters? Um, and some of this is, you know, frankly, it's a spiritual evolution. It goes beyond the here's a tactic, here's a strategy, here's a to-do list, here's your daily planner. That offers no true satisfaction. And all the gurus talking about, you know, fill your planner, it's like complete garbage in my opinion. You don't get there. Like the value of a diploma now is zip, yeah. okay? It, we, we know that. Now, for the most part, most human beings don't develop valuable skills ever in their lives. They are commodities. Yeah, and if you yeah, wanna, they're certainly not rare and valuable skills. Yeah. Precisely. And so the value of rare innovation, creativity, leadership, um, the ability to create experiences, storytelling mm -hmm. is going to be rewarded over and over again. And if, if anything, uh, you know, again, I picked on Trump a little while ago because frankly, I think he's a piece of crap. Mm -hmm. But, um, I mean, I, I think he's, he is a poor example of a bad leader and character. And it's not about the man. I'm not making a political statement, but as a human being, he's an untrustworthy character. However, he knows how to polarize and communicate and, and represent a thing that, that presents itself as clarity, confidence, and courage and the animal, the following animal that exists in, in low frequency human behavior is attracted to that. Yeah. Okay. And so, um, but I believe that we are on the edge of a um, massive evolution in human consciousness. Um, and, and what he represents as a being, okay, mm -hmm. is a low frequency um, de-evolved um, version of humanity that, that frankly has become obsolete. Just as, you know, we're going through all this snowflake political correctness horse manure right now, the softening or what I call, I pardon the expression, the mass pussification of the male figure <laughs> and character in, in society today. Right. That doesn't have a place in an evolved human uh, species either. 
And, um, and I think there's going to be massive blowback. I think Facebook is at a point where it is a, it ha- there's a great opportunity for it to get completely knocked out of the trees. Mm. It has served its purpose in time. I, I think uh, something can come and knock it, out, knock it out. There's a whole bunch of business reasons for my belief in that. Yeah. But um, we're, um, anything that supports, again, being evolution is, is uh, ripe for um, the next state. Yeah, which I think leads nicely into kind of the next stage of the conversation that I wanted to get into because uh, I think you've been on this journey, you're way farther ahead on the journey, but you've realized some of the same things that a lot of agency owners realize, which is that if you get stuck in the doing, it's only a matter of time before you're on the chopping block. I think it was David Baker that said something to that, like the closer you are to the implementation, the closer you are to the chopping block. And what's interesting about it is that I never really didn't agree with that point of view because I came out of an agency that was built on implementation and then you give the strategy, the vision, and the creativity for free. That way, right? So that that way they're paying for the implementation, everything else is a bonus. And I I agree that that works right up until it stops working, right? Some technological innovation or, or just economic forces start to drive your profit down, which is what's happening to everybody right now. Yeah, well, and, and let, let's put that in, in cold practical terms. Back when I had Digital Cafe, which was my agency, we ran it for 10 years. Mm-hmm. We eventually got acquired by Campbell Methune, which is an interpublic group conglomerate. IPG is a multi-billion dollar um, publicly traded entity, and Campbell Methune was a billion dollar a year agency. Where did the billion dollars come from? Ad spend. Okay, so they were the classic agency dinosaur, which is we give away our creativity. Um, we uh, Everything's creative, everything's creative, everything's creative. That's how we win our deals. Mm-hmm. And, um, and we build brands, which were unaccounted for. Um, you know, there's no direct response marketing because people would realize, as, uh, I remember a, a very prominent Fortune 50 CEO uh, pulled me aside one time because he knew I was disgusted by the agency model. You know, he could just see that I thought it was crap. And, yeah. um, and, I, and he was laughing. He goes, you know, Mike? Um, first of all, we're, uh, we're, we're brothers from a different time, but, um, I know that 50% of our entire spend every year, which at that point was somewhere near a hundred million dollars. He says, I know we waste 50% of it. And if I only knew which half it was, <laughs> we'd be much more successful. <laughs> um, and then, you know, the internet came along and we actually had accounted for media spend, yeah. but the agency made its money by getting 15% of the spend. So, a uh, agency that, you know, technically would have a billion dollars in billings a year was generating 150 million in, in true, you know, gross revenue. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's just, there was a lot of money. That's not a bad um, business. Yeah. <laughs> and then if we were going to last, yeah. Yeah. And when a, a you know, a, a quote, quote unquote new agency came along, everyone thought, well, shoot, you know, we can go out and charge 15% of everything that you're spending online, blah, blah, blah. And and we learned really quickly that when direct response and traditional creative came together, there was a clash. And again, if you're a commodity driven, let's give away the creativity. In other words, the creativity, the leadership, the innovation, um, you're nowhere, you know? And so that model's been, been broken many times over. Yeah. So, uh, so you, you looked up and realized this was going on. Um, in terms of the digital cafe and and the the trajectory that you guys were on, what point did you look up and go, "This is not sustainable. I've got to get out of this," or "I'm just not enjoying this"? Well, the 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 real answer was when you're working with big companies like we did. We had BMW as a client and Sony and uh, um, 20th Century Fox, 
And a lot of agencies came to us. We were agency ag- agnostic. Mm-hmm. They, you know, they pay you in a hundred days and uh, in a, in a, in an agency where you are driven by your creative and by talent, and there's going to be a natural amount of churn um, with a company like ours that had just a couple million dollars in billings. Um, there was a period of time when <clears throat> we had no cash and um, we had a lot of visibility on the outside. It looked like, Holy cow, you guys are killing it. Truth was I was living on and paying my employees with credit card checks and it got so bad at one point I was living on literally buying food on a super America gas card, um, in St. Paul, Minnesota. Wow. And I'm like, what the sucks. It's, mm-hmm. it's like, I'm just another rich broke guy. Um, and again, I wasn't rich by any stretch of the imagination, but I was, I was quarter, I was a quarter million in the hole and I'm paying, you know, on credit card checks, which, you know, you're getting charged 20% interest on that. You know, I was just constantly in a cycle of going backwards. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I, I don't, I'm not an operations guy. Every, you know, the, the way you make money in a, as a business owner, I'm oversimplifying it, but one of them is by being a really good operational bean counter and getting great at operations and all that. And the other part is through creativity, acquisition, and building something that has value and selling it someday. Mm-hmm. Now, I've had four exits in my career right now, two of them to publicly traded companies. So I've made my money through the exit. It has never been through operations. I suck at operations. I hate everything about it. And I don't really particularly care to manage the people who are great at it either. You know, I'm like, I am what I am. Um, Now, I've gotten past the ego part of that. And like, I know what I am now. But back then, I, you know, I didn't know any better. I was just a dumb kid doing the best I could Mm -hmm. and moving too fast, you know, addicted to chaos. So I think that's the the state of consciousness um, that I stayed in for the vast majority of my life. And it cost me a wife and, and um, you know, ultimately I ended up with cancer along the way too. You know, it's like my lifestyle and my mindset just about killed me. Yeah. Good Lord. There's a whole lot there we could dig into that we don't have time for, which is unfortunate. Um, but it's, it's funny. The timing of it is funny because I was literally talking before you and I jumped on the phone. I was talking with a client of mine who's a, runs a, two different seven figure businesses. And the second of those businesses is a coaching consulting business, coaching other people to do what he did. And he said the same thing. Like if you really dig into some of the business models of the people that are the most visible, the most successful in, in his space, which is real estate, you realize that up until about two to 3 million, there's a real difference in the amount of profit you take home. So there's, once you get to that point, there's very, very few people who add another million or two in revenue who actually take anything significant of that home. And so the people that you think are the most successful, the most visible, the ones that are on all the stages speaking, a lot of times are the ones that are, are probably a lot like you were, Mike. They're so focused on the top line growth. They're also terrible at operations that they end up not taking anything home. And then you mentioned the addicted to chaos. A lot of times those two things seem to go 100% together. The, the interesting thing though is that's not a bad thing. Those people build really, you know, like fast growing businesses. Um, I think what you figured out is that, that that capability can be amplified in different ways to still build a very successful business where you get paid for being who you are. You just have to understand who you are. Yeah. And I, and I also think that uh, along those lines, uh, and again, I agree with everything you say. I mean, I know practically every person who's highly visible stage oriented in the personal development and the, you know, we'll call it the marketing industry. Mm -hmm. Um, If I don't know them directly, we know each other through some, some connection. And yeah, the vast majority of them, when we have the, uh, 
uh, a deep conversation and they feel safe telling me what's going on or they know my history and they tell me what's actually happening in their lives. Most of them are miserable. They hate their, their businesses and, and, and they, they, they have very little um, cash and they're, they're basically become a slave um, because of, you know, any number of things. And, and so how do you get out of that? It's by slowing down, elevating your value um, and, um, you know, really understanding the, the true value of platform. Um, and, and, and yeah, and I, I, there's, there's a distinction between building a business that you can sell someday and having um, a, a personality div- and lifestyle driven business. And, um, you know, at this point, I, you know, just recently exited again. So I'm very much in the personality driven, uh, platform driven at the moment, which is extremely high net, um, simple, you know, so at my peak, we had probably mm, close to 60 employees when I had traffic guys or an instant customer, which was a software driven business with recurring income, which Mm -hmm. on the surface, it's like, that's the Holy grail, right? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Your margins are, I mean, when you get down to what you take to the bottom line, it's somewhere between 10 and 20%, depending on how well you run the business, right? Yeah, and we were we were higher because we did a hybridized model. We were training too, but again, it just about killed me. Oh, so yeah, um, so like a profit max, like a, you had a training component in there. There was like a profit maximizer on top of the software. Yeah, yeah. yeah so we were we were selling. Uh, we did launches, product launches, and I was doing okay. three a year, which that'll just about kill you. You know, a, a normal human being should only do one. Um, but um, you know, and we had software. And uh, what happened was we always, we just had to constantly reinvest and reinvest and reinvest. And I never took outside capital or investors. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and so it's just, and, and, and uh, if you are a really good talent manager and you understand a really important distinction that I, I heard recently, a good friend of mine spent some time with Richard Branson mm-hmm. and um, he talked about a nugget and I'm going to do my best to re-articulate. I'm playing telephone twice, twice removed. <laughs> twice removed. But, um, <laughs> but basically what he, what he said is the secret to my success is I build a brand that will attract the right fit employee. And so like Virgin, when you look at it, you feel a certain way. There is a costume you know, there is a, a presence that when you walk into the checkout lane, just the way everything's set up, the carpeting, the, 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 it feels high value. When you walked onto a virgin plane, it was an experience, the way people were scripted. And so that, that exact, like people conformed to the brand and they wanted to work there because of that. That was the nature of what happened. They had a hiring process. So, mm-hmm. um, now, after I've aged a bit and, and been through the, the, the meat grinder a couple of times, I see the huge value and like compose a brand where the messaging emanates from it and someone feels the beingness of the brand and wants to be that too. Mm-hmm. And that you can actually script the behavior of the employees based on that. And the foundation of a great saleable brand begins with that. Okay. Um, meaning you, you don't, you know, the, the right fit employees will attract and retain the perfect audience, the perfect customer. 
that isn't to say that you don't have a lot of communications work to yeah. talk to the right, but you start with the, start with the employee, start with that culture. And, um, and I used to poo poo that I'd go like, Oh, that's a bunch of bull. You know, you can solve any problem with the sales letter, make a new offer, <laughs> upsell and cross sell. And, and I got really good at that. You know, yeah. it was like that just became my internal operating system. You know, it was like, you know, I, I was pretty well known for having, having extremely high net events and mm-hmm. high net value customers because I, you know, I could read their minds and give them the next thing that I knew they um, wanted mm-hmm. and needed, right? And um, uh, But that only goes so far. Yeah, it's, and that, it, it is. Um, and I want to take a step back and make sure that we give people a, a, a way to grab the podcast and tell people where to go and stuff like that. But you're right totally on. right because I, you know, I, I swung the pendulum, probably the same pendulum that you did, going from really not uh, like coming out of maybe a traditional marketing background or education or something like that, coming into the world of direct response and going full Dan Kennedy, like no branding, then coming back and realizing, okay, neither one of those pendulum swings are 100%. It's not the whole thing. There is a place for storytelling. There is a place for brand. Uh, and you can see it in both the, you know, the Simon Sinek's of the world and the Gary Vaynerchuk's of the world. It doesn't matter necessarily how active you are on social media. You better have a brand and you better have a message. And then, there's diff- then you can use direct response behind that at a tactical level to implement marketing that really works but takes advantage of that brand. So I've come around to kind of probably uh, a little bit of the same journey that you have in the sense of coming back to, uh, I don't know what you call it, maybe more balanced approach to marketing where you're integrating those two ideas. Yeah, I think it's just a a natural maturity. um, uh, And uh, again, growing up, I I had a, I had a certain amount of pain. You know, I I considered myself a, a, a dropout, a nonconformist alien in every way, shape, and form. And I was never, never had any appeal to be part of the popular kids, the cool kids, or dress like them. And, um, and the, the unfortunate byproduct of that was I didn't understand the true value of elevating brand with imagery. And, you know, it's, uh, if you've ever read Jordan Peterson's book, his 12 rules book, you know, his first lesson is sit up straight. And, um, he talks about the lobster, um, uh, neural, uh, system. And and it basically has to do with what attracts a mate. Okay. Hmm. And, um, when you are successful, when you are, when you are getting the mates and when you hold yourself up high and you, your chest out and you're holding your hands up or your crab claws up, you know, that's going to cause certain, chemicals and, and electricity to fire through your, uh, your, your, uh, your body. And that will determine whether or not what the next thing is. And the next thing is the bottom line is we're, we're complex biocomputers and, um, brand represents fertility. It represents your ability to get paid, get laid, live forever, have a good, um, uh, you know, a healthy life and, and be around a leader and be safe and protected. You know, all this comes back to what is attractive to the animal within all of us. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and so I think understanding some of these fundamental concepts um, and never forgetting them, and it's so easy to get wrapped up in the latest giga shiny object strategy and tactic and, and, and that's because it's easy to sell. But, you know, at the end of the day, we're always repackaging the same thing over and over again. Yeah. 
Yeah, that is true. And that's a whole other conversation because I could talk about that for a, a long, long time. Because um, that is one of our biggest challenges is, is how do we come up with something that's truly original or how are we blending two ideas to come up with something that's fresh and new, even though there's really, you know, not, there's really nothing new under the sun. But people want new because they want to think that there's a new solution to the problem that it was going to work better than what they've been trying. So that's, that's an interesting challenge in and of itself. Uh, so where do we go to grab the podcast and how do we stay connected and kind of get into your world? Right on. Well, um, the first one is the podcast is called Capability Amplifier. So it's at capabilityamplifier.com. Um, as of right now, one of the most uh, recent episodes um, that I really enjoyed and it really outlines uh, Dan's genius is how to decide who to spend time with when you have no time. And um, Dan is really genius at being able to solve a problem by creating a filter that you can model and basically install in your own mind. Um, he really knows how to break down super complex things. So he has a, a very cool filter for determining who he spends time with and why and what the outcomes are without it being like this selfish mercenary thing. It comes down to how he organizes values in his mind. And I'm endlessly fascinated with how his brain works yeah. And, um, you know, our, our whole deal is uh, purely an act of creative joy for the two of us. We enjoy solving complex human behavioral problems that you can use in your real life or enhancing, you know, your marketing life, your, your quality of your uh, relationships and, and obviously making, making more money too. That's right. Love it. Yeah, I've enjoyed the podcast so far. It's, it's great. I, I love Dan and his perspective on it as well. So hopefully everybody goes and checks that out. But Mike, this has been fantastic. Like I said, we could talk uh, all day long. I've got many, many, many more questions for you, but we'll save that for some other time. Now, I believe that clarity releases energy. So I hope that this episode creates clarity for you by laying out a path forward in your business. Now, if you're interested in starting a podcast like this to help you break into a new industry or to establish yourself as an authority in a niche market, let's talk. We have a complete done for you podcasting service. That is my agency that I'm building and growing. And I'd love to talk to you about what we can potentially do for you. You can learn more at pursuingresults.com to get a sense of what our service is all about. And if you're ready, if you're really seriously thinking about starting a podcast, I'm happy to brainstorm your ideas and talk about the positioning of your podcast within the market, something that you can take away whether we end up working together or not. So you can grab a time on my calendar for a podcast brainstorm call at bookjohnson.com. That is bookjohnson.com. I just want to thank you again for listening to the show, for leaving us a rating and a review on iTunes and more importantly, for investing your time, your energy, your attention into the show. It really means the world to me that you would do that. So again, this is the UX podcast where we learn how to turn a rockstar business into a UX machine and we'll see you on the next episode.